You're listening to XVGM Radio. XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Justin. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 28, Namco and the Namco 163 chip. We are diving very deep into a expansion audio chip on the Famicom that Namco created called the 163 chip, or the one, Namco 163 chip. So this chip almost specifically was developed for audio capabilities, enhancing the audio capabilities of the Famicom. We talked a lot about expansion chips on the Mr. Gimmick episode where we talked about the FME7 and the MM5 chip, or the MMC5 chip. And so today we're going to be diving into Namco's properties and Namco's releases for this stuff so it's pretty interesting stuff yeah there were only sort of a handful of games that came out using it but the audio on some of these games is really something different from the from this machine yeah and i think that 
the music that you're going to be hearing is not going to sound quite like a Nintendo. Um, some <laughs> sometimes it will, but other times I think it, it more, has more in line with like Turbo Graphics, yeah, uh, which we'll get into in uh, in just a few. So I guess we'll start off by talking about the game track that we just played. It's from a game called Erika Tosatoru no Yume Boken. This came out on the Famicom in 1988, and the track that we listened to was the title theme, and it's composed by Hirohiko Takeyama, and the sound driver is uncredited to Tsukasa Masuko. So what do you think of this track? It was really bright. Uh, I, mm. I enjoyed the, the, the melody itself. Uh, it was kind of bright and cheery. There's something odd about it, though, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. The, the notes, and may, maybe this is just one of the many interesting things that this sound chip does, but the, the notes seem to have a sustain and staccato, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, um, it doesn't. And, and, I, and I think it's just because it's it's how some of the notes were, were actually just being handled. Like, there was definitely sustain. You can't have a staccato note when you're sustaining because it, you, you have to release it. God, who invited the music nerd? Right? But there were, it was just so weird because the, I, I what I was hearing didn't make sense with my brain, but I, yeah. I liked it. Like, there were points in the, in, the, in the track where I was just like sort of staring off into space going, what is this? <laughs> you know, it's funny because... This is the second episode in a row that we had a slight difference in opinion on this on the intro track. Oh yeah, I found this one to be a little sad. It it, it I didn't get like a bounce or a happy sound to it. Mm. To me, it it kind of sounded a little somber. Yeah, I, I might have said bounce earlier. I, I definitely don't didn't find the track to be bouncy. Okay, but the but we, you said we, it was happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, the tones were bright. I guess. Yeah, I guess the sound font itself, like how the sound comes off, could I guess seem very like happy. Yeah. But the delay of the notes, like the sustain, mm-hmm. and coupled that with like the melody, it, it to me it sounded very like kind of sad, a little somber, hmm. almost like adventurous, but not <laughs> not quite. Yeah. Like oh yep, we're about to go on this adventure, but we're really sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't I didn't get that, but it might be part of that whole staring off into nothingness. <laughs> trying trying to understand the music. I might I might have been like too wrapped up in what I was doing to to notice some of that. But... It's cuz my ears are broken. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, this this game is something. So this is an adventure game, kind of like uh, one of those first person like kind of like Dragon Quest, where there's like a, I was gonna say, is it like like the Dragon Quest type of a game? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, you're not moving a character across the screen. It's more like screens open up, and you know you've got like a book that's open at all times, mm-hmm. and there's like a window for stuff that you're seeing almost like a cartoon sort of thing kind of like Ninja Gaiden oh yeah but yeah it's it's in a like a, a frame like a picture frame so there's like multiple sort of things on screen at the same time and they each have their own frames right one is like a book and then there's like other stuff that you would yeah. use on on the adventure like um you know your items and whatnot yeah but this game is about uh two kids one is a girl named Erica and the other is a boy named Satoru and uh, Both they... of whom have their names in the title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they're about to go to sleep in their nice cozy house when all of a sudden there's this uh, pink and white cat that appears and starts talking English. And so th- this creature is basically like, children, find the time crown. And then is like, later, and pieces out. <laughs> 
instead of Erica and Satoru being like, was that a dream? Like, did that really happen? I kind of want like some berry berry kicks right now. None of that came out. Instead, they were like, well, let's go on an adventure. So they go off on this adventure. So it's it's one of those types of uh, adventure games, kind of like visual novel kind of stories. Not a dating sim, not like a Maniac Mansion type thing, more like a Shadowgate yeah, sort of yeah. thing. I was trying to remember. There, it's there, like a Kemco type game. Yeah, there's a number of RPGs from, from back in the day that, that had sort of that, that vibe to it, where it was sort of like a text-based adventure, but they tried to throw stuff up, um, like just th to throw some imagery on the screen as well, but it wasn't truly like like a Final Fantasy, or it wasn't like an RPG that right. we're used to playing. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's sort of what it sounds like. Fun side note, uh, the... <laughs> The name of the game translates to uh, Erica and Satoru's Dream Dream. Dream Dream? <laughs> All right, then. Aw. I'm sure there's something weird with uh, Google Translate there, but that's, dream dream. That, that's what I got out of it. <laughs> hey, man. Dream Dream. So the composers on this one, well, really composer, uh, because the other person is Tsukasa Masuko, and he did the sound driver on this game. So... He's done all kinds of crazy work, starting with Tekhan World Cup. Not Tekken, not Tecmo, but Tekhan World Cup. <laughs> uh, went on to do Mighty Bomb Jack, did the NES game Labyrinth, with, which never came out in the US. Hmm. Karate Kid, Friday the 13th, Dungeon Explorer, did tons and tons of games. Amazing Tater on the Game Boy. Did most of the Shin Megami Tensei series, or a good chunk of it. Then later on, signed up with Square to do stuff like Sword of Mana, Heroes of Mana. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, they did arrangement on. Blue Dragon Plus in 2009. There's way more than what I'm going over, but this just is just a touch on it. Their final game is in 2018, Madorika Real Estate, where they did sound effects and music for that. Hmm. Tsukasa Masuko we'll talk about in just a second, yeah, uh, because we have some additional information. But uh, Hirohiko Takeyama started off with the Karate Kid in 1987, Gotcha the Sport in 87, Zexies in 89, NFL in 89, Friday the 13th in 89. Basically, very did, very busy, <laughs> did, but didn't get credited for any of that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of his early stuff. Yeah, credited on. Unfortunately, um, because he's a great composer, he did Adventure Island 3 on the NES, which has a great soundtrack. Mm. Uh, his final game was in 94, which is Ishi Hisaichi no Daisekai. In 1994, which did sound composing on that. Hmm, nice. Uh, so a little bit of information about this uh, Namco sound chip. So Namco was actually the first company to create a chip for improved audio capabilities on the Famicom. And each wavetable sample is four bits long. It is most comparable to the Famicom disk system or the PC Engine TurboGrafx-16 as far as the sound that it puts out. That's right. And the chip was designed by Namco and it was also known as the Namco 106. So the chip itself offers up to eight additional wavetable-based sound channels for the games to use. That's right. The chip cannot make use of every channel at the same time. Instead, what it does is it cycles through those channels once every 15 CPU cycles. Mm. Uh, so when fewer channels are turned on or in use, the channels themselves get cycled through more frequently, uh, which allows for longer, higher notes with more detailed sound. Now, the more channels enabled, the longer the CPU has to wait to cycle, which can allow for lower pitches and also higher pitch whining style noises, which are very hard to hear in some cases. Um, Namco also made it possible for the chip to be used to provide extra RAM instead of just going towards the audio capabilities, which is kind of 
cool because it allowed for an extra 128 bytes of RAM to be used in the game. And uh, some of the games that use this are games like Megami Tensei 2, King of Kings, uh, both of which had an SRAM chip uh, that would be used as a battery backup. Yep. Most games that use the name called 163 chip only utilized four additional channels, with the exception being Tsukasa Masuko's driver, which used all eight. Can you imagine if he had used this on other games that were composed for, that not necessarily that he did, because as we said, Hirohiko Takeyama did. That's the driver. The right? other ones, but uh, stuff like oh, Friday oh. the 13th or yep. Zexies or Karate Kid. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So it's a shame we never saw that. Yeah. And uh, just as an FYI, shout out to Nerdy Pleasure's Blogspot article in the NES Dev Wiki page for all that information. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, with that, let's roll right into our first pick of this episode. We're going to hear a track from a game called Family Circuit 91, which came out in the Famicom in 1988. It was called BGM 05, and it was composed by Nobuyuki Onogi. Family Circuit 91, which came out in 1988 on the Famicom, and it was BGM 05, composed by Nobuyuki Onogi. That track was very Hawaiian. Mm, okay. I, 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 I picture shimming in a grass skirt while with a coconut bra <laughs> while this song is playing. Da, 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 da. All right, very people, you heard it. Somebody needs to animate that. Yeah. Mike in a Hawaiian skirt with coconuts. <laughs> yeah. That was a very, like, beach summery kind of track very bright very cheery this is a bright and cheery track oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wrote down like more of that bright and che- like bright and cheery melody mm. this one specifically i would say is, is cheery yeah uh, the other one i the the notes the tones were bright this one was like bright high-pitched yeah cheery i don't know if i got a hawaiian vibe off of this one <laughs> i can kind of see where you're coming from yeah this one almost reminds me of like a track you'd hear in excite bike yeah no um, i could i could see that and you know I, i'm gonna be honest i don't really hear a lot of that turbo graphics pc engine kind of no sound. not in this one not no no um th- this one i could believe coming from an nes yeah most definitely i wonder how they utilize the chip then i gotta wonder that's that's a very good question uh, i'd love to find somebody who knows and uh, and, and talk to them because a lot of the other tracks that you get that that we'll hear i mean they, they sound pretty different from i mean even mm-hmm. the first the track that we came in on sounds different yeah but this this game uh, family circuit 91 was a game that was made with this uh with, with this chip so the reason that it, this sounds like such an nes 
sure. sort of uh, style tune and doesn't. What do you do, stuff. Justin? So this this was listed as a as a game that that utilized the Namco one six three chip, right. and the chip was included with the game, but the, but it wasn't actually used. So huh. this one was a little bit of a cheat, which is why I started off with it. You bumbled. I bumbled. You bumbled. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, multiple different sources kind of were all over the place with this one. We didn't really mm. discover it until literally just now. So, whoopsie-daisy, but yeah, no, I think that it's still interesting to talk about it because this track didn't use it, and you could hear the difference yeah, right yeah. away, especially when you listen to that Erika Tosotoru no Yume Boken track. Yeah. That has a much more pronounced sound, and even though that does use eight channels additionally... Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, that, that, that's one of the ones that uses all eight channels. Right, but, but this track... It just sounds like a straight up NES jam because so, it is because it is literally so. <laughs> it uh, but yeah, it never it never did come out on in the U.S. I don't believe. No, no, no. This was this was a, a Japan only release. Right. Uh, but like like I said, the 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 chip was included, but it was not used. Right. Which uh, you know, to its detriment, I think. Yeah. Could have it, it could have done some some interesting things. That that was a very kind of like minimalistic track. I feel uh, like you could have. Got like a little bit of soft youth bass kind of sound mm, in there, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe like a maybe like a fuzz. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they could have added. I don't know. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, I promise the rest of my tracks will we'll utilize, we'll utilize the chip. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, just to talk about Nobuyuki, they started doing sound in a game called Warp Warp in 1981. Warp Warp. Warp Warp. Warp Warp. That was an MSX game developed and published by Namco. Mm-hmm. 1981 was a very busy year for them. New Rally X, Galaga, and Bostonian. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we go on to Pole Position 1 and 2 in 1982 and 3. Mappy in 1983. Uh, we'll jump uh, jump around a little bit here. Xevious in 1984, they did sound. Warp Man in 1985, they were a music composer. Uh, music composition on Metro Cross, also in 1985. Wizardry, Proving Grounds, The Mad Over. Overlord, 1987, and finally, this game, Family Circuit, 91. Oh, so this was our last game? Yep. Oh. So yeah, I, I mentioned the the release date. I think I got the release dates mixed up. Um, 1988 was the release date for the original Family Circuit. Uh, Family Circuit 91 actually did come out in 1991. I thought there was something weird going on there, but the, the dates that I had originally found, I guess, were off. So then, this is the sequel. This is the sequel to Family Circuit. To Family Circuit, right? Gotcha. Okay, it's, but it's not the it's not the Super Famicom sequel. Ah, okay. Now we're now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> okay. So this game is a top-down racing game. Yep. It's like an F one sort of like style. pole position, pole stuff position. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which makes sense because Namco did that one as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a spiritual successor or sequel. Not much you can really say. I haven't really played this one, but no, it's it's a racing game. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But yeah, I I dig this track. It's a lot of fun. It's very fun, friendly, and happy. So I guess we'll move into another fun, friendly, happy track. Our next track is from a game called Waganland 3. It's either Waganland or Waganland. There are some websites out there that call it Waganland or Waganland. Uh, and there's other sites out there that call it wa- like Wagyan yeah, land with, with a y. y. Right, right. So this came out in the Famicom in 1992. This track is Space Station Stage 3. It's by Yoshinori Kawamoto.
this is XVGM Radio, and you just heard a track from Waganland, or Waganland? I don't know. We'll just call it Waganland. And that was Waganland 3, specifically, on the Famicom. This came out in 1992, and that track was Space Station Stage 3 by Yoshinori Kawamoto. What do you think of this one? Uh, this one was really cute. The The first thing that stood out to me was what sounded like pitch bends, which I didn't think the NES the could really do. Uh, no, it happens a couple times where you have the... You have the, the note. I, I think it was more in the beginning where they, there, there was a note and then the note like bent up or bent oh, down. Oh, okay. Uh, which, which is interesting because I didn't think the Nintendo could actually do that. Well, and, probably that sound chip had something that, to do that, with it. That's what I was going to say. Like, I'm guessing that's the sound chip. Huh. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, if, if you're listening to this and, and I'm wrong and Nintendo abs- absolutely can do pitch bends, <laughs> let us know because uh, I must be misinformed. Mm. But and that was the first thing that stood out to me because, uh, like I said, my understanding is that that's not normally a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's really cool that, that this chip can do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the second thing that stood out to me was the fact that they snuck some Super Mario Land one from the Game Boy music in here. <laughs> <laughs> what one specifically? It's the like, chimes. Yeah, the dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. Right, right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. And I feel like sort of the the musical progression had uh, had a similar progression as the, uh, the the level one in Super Mario Land. Okay. Not so much that I, that I thought it was directly ripped, but sure. the with with the little chimes and, and some of the other stuff, uh, it was very very reminiscent, which made me laugh. So to me, it sounded like it was just a callback to the beginning of the track, mm-hmm. because in the beginning of the track, you have that very like electro music style breakdown. Mm-hmm. That's like da 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 da. That's like a very <laughs> hip-hop electro like that they did that like constantly where like you'd be listening to a rap song and then they'd be like what's up and they'd be like oh yeah yeah and and that's kind of where i picked up the call back to that because they've they've got that and it kind of you know picks the track back up it also makes it really easy to loop the track and that's why this track sounded very repetitive yeah 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 i feel like that phenomenon in rap and a lot of the other music that we listen to came much much later than 1992 yeah well, so maybe they were just riffing off of Wagonland. Uh, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, Japan has always kind of, to me at least, been like 10 years behind everybody else. <laughs> so like, Electro was really big in like the early to mid 80s and it kind of fell oh, off and yeah, Freestyle yeah. kind of became the new thing around like 86, 87, 88, around those area mm-hmm. time. And then like New Jack Swing came in like right around then like 90, uh, 89, 90, 91, 92. You know that that was kind of the era. So to me, this came in ninety two. Disco was pretty much over oh, in like yeah. eighty two, eighty three, like around that area. And so Electro was kind of coming in with all those hip hop, you know, kind of references. You had mm. stuff kind of coming in at that point like Sugar Hill Gang stuff like that so to me this kind of it gave me a real vibe of electro music with that yeah that's fair I I was waiting for Run DMC to run in and be like King you know (laughs) fair enough (laughs) this game is pretty silly it's an action platformer Uh, you play as this green dinosaur who happens to also be a robot or mechanical robot Hmm. his name is wagon he has the ability to stun enemies with sound waves the waves take on the shapes of japanese noises when he uses his ability it puts out two japanese symbols i believe they're katakana one is for wa Mm -hmm. and the other is for ga so I don't know if he's channeling his inner uh, uh, Wario. <laughs> wah, wah. 
inner Gario. Ah. <laughs> so there's an evil guy named Dr. Devil. He's trying to take over the land. What? And so Dr. Wag- Devil? Dr. Devil. They really were struggling to come up with good ideas. Sounds like a... misrepresentation to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just call him Mr. Bad Guy? I mean... <laughs> what, like Saul Bad Guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much the game. There's not a lot to talk about. I've, I've played... One of these games. I'm almost Mm. positive it is the first one. Or the second one. But definitely it was not the third one. Mm. Wagonland 1. Yeah. There's a bunch of these games. Yeah. There's those. I think there's a a Super Wagonland for the Super Famicom. Yep. Yoshinori Kawamoto started off with Splatterhouse in 1988. He later moved on to Filios. Why? In 1988. <laughs> Dragon Spirit, Burning Force. I'm pretty sure we talked about this guy maybe when we talked about Splatterhouse? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I was going to say maybe when we, we might have talked about Splatterhouse at some point uh, and talked Possibly. about him. He did uh, Klonoa Beach Volleyball, which I had no idea is a thing, but apparently Klonoa. From Cave Story? No. No. Klonoa, that, that rabbit dog creature thing that's like Namco's one of their mascots. He's yeah. like a dog. He was like black and white. Yeah, he yeah. red sneakers. K-L-O-N-O-A, right? K-L-O-N-O-A, yeah. Oh, I don't know why I thought it, I don't know why I thought it was a story. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he had a, his own, like, um, apparently, PlayStation Yeah, game. apparently he had his own volleyball game as well. Neat. Uh, he also did the soundtrack to Star Fox Assault, Pack and Roll, Pack Picks. Those hmm. are two separate games for the record. Tekken 7, he was uh, one of the composers on. Uh, his final game lately is Taiko no Tetsujin Drum and Fun, which was the Taiko drum game that yes. came out fairly recently, I think, for the Switch. So. Oh, the new one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that game is a lot of fun in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, all those Taiko drum games are really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll move on to your next pick. What do you got for us? All right. So the next game is Sangokushi Chugen no Hasha, also known as Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, this one came out on the Famicom in 1988. The track is called BGM09. Uh, it was composed by an uncredited Yoko Kano. Ooh.
back, that was BGM09 off of 1988's Sangokushi Chugen no Hasha, also known as Romance of the Three Kingdoms, came out in the Famicom and was composed by Yoko Kano, but they were uncredited. Wah, wah. What'd you think of this one? Um, a very traditional Japanese track. I really like I can hear the Japanese traditional instruments kind of flowing <laughs> good old shamisen in there yeah yeah throwing a shamisen <laughs> not necessarily a shamisen no yeah, no yeah. I think it's hard no. to reproduce the, the, the sound of a shamisen on Just an NES even with that chip sounds like cherry blossom trees flowing in the wind fair enough yeah mm-hmm. uh, we hear some more of that uh, that pitch bend that I was talking about earlier yeah. Um, and, and much it, higher pitch yeah, too. Much much higher pitched yeah. and and less of like the, from the, the the track that you'd played. It was sort of a straight bend from whatever note it was to you know, down or up. Mm. This one was le- the bend was used to like a warbly effect. Yeah, for, yeah. For that, to, to sort of add to the the Asian sound to that track. Yeah, because this doesn't necessarily sound like it has additional sound channels. It just sounds like an improved NES sound chip. Not necessarily like adding additional channels like yep. when you hear a BRC6 track from like Castlevania or Akamajo Densetsu right. you know it's from Akamajo Densetsu but with something like this like it's it's very hard to tell that there's a big difference I would agree mostly because one of the things that I that I was noting was the drum kit or the drum font mm. whatever you want to call it uh, sounds very, very much like the NES drums, uh, like the, the snare and, yeah. and whatever else that uh, that I'm used to hearing out of the NES, which huh. I thought was re- was really cool because again that was paired with some of these sounds that you don't usually hear coming out of the NES, like those high pitched noises and those bends. Right, right. So I thought sure. that was thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool. Good yeah. track. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so for those unfamiliar with uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, that'd be me. Raising my hand. I mean, me too, actually. <laughs> I, I have a couple friends that, that were really big into it, so I, I know a little bit peripherally, but I'm, I'm not not usually a big fan of, of these kind of games. Mm. I find them to be a bit slow. Yeah, same uh, here. And again, that's not to say that... you know They're, they're not bad. Exactly. They're I just, just not, not my, my cup of tea. Exactly. Yep. Specifically, as far as the name goes, Sangokushi is a word that refers to a novel that was written about the Three Kingdoms period of China, mm. um, which was a, a period where the, the country itself was temporarily split into three warring states. All of these Romance of the Three Kingdoms games take place in that that that, that era of China, mm-hmm. uh, and usually you play like you you choose which one of the three warring states you want to play as, mm-hmm. and then you you go at it. These games did not start off, but ultimately ended up in the Muso genre. So like oh. Di- Dynasty Warriors and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- those are all considered, I believe, Romance of the Three Kingdom games. Oh, really? I yep. did not know that. Interesting. Um, huh. Obviously not all the Dynasty... Like, Di- Samurai Warriors is not no. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors Gundam has nothing to do with the Three Kingdoms. No, it clearly does. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't want us to know about the mechs, but they were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... it's uh, the, these games, these older games, are more of like a war strategy instead of like, you know, Muso and just sure. killing... Killing everything. ...enemies. Yeah. So you're, you, know, you pick your side, and then you want to try to reclaim all of China under hmm. your rule. Uh, and now all of China knows you're here. Wah, wah. <laughs> So this composer, yeah. I've heard of this name before. Yoko Kano? Yeah. yeah. So they a have bit. a lot of uncredited uh, stuff in the beginning of their career, uh, starting out with this game uh, in 1988, doing Genghis Khan in 1989 uncredited. Uh, 1990 was Nobunaga's Ambition 2. Uh, 1991 was Nobunaga's Ambition, Lord of Darkness. 1993 was Nobunaga's Ambition. Wait, what? 
We'll, we'll, we'll just move on. Um, <laughs> New Horizons in 1994 was their last uncredited piece. And then mm. they moved on to Tetris with Card Captor Sakura, Eternal Heart in 2000, uh, doing music. So bit of a gap, six-year yep. gap. Yeah, so I guess they got tired of being uncredited and maybe they left for a little while. Yeah, and I don't blame they, them. They came back and were like, you're going to credit me or so help me. Yes. <laughs> they, they actually came back for some, some of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms games. Uh, in 2005, Romance of the Three Kingdoms... I'm guessing that's, yeah, it's not X, it's 10. Romance of the Three Kingdoms, 10. They did original composition. Romance of the Three Kingdoms, 13 in 2016, they did music for. Uh, and then just one more in 2007, they did Oban Star Racers, uh, music composition. So, I don't know if you know this, but Yoko Kano is a she. But Yoko Kano did the soundtrack to Cowboy Bebop. The anime. Oh, that's snap. That's the name. Did you not yes. connect that until just now? No, I did not. <laughs> yeah, Yoko, Yoko Kano has done tons of really amazing music for stuff like Ghost in the Shell, Stay in the yes. Lone Complex. That's actually probably where that gap came from. Because yep. Bebop and Ghost, Ghost in the Shell, stuff was Macross in the 90s. Plus, yeah. yeah, Vision of Escaflone, just like tons and tons of anime. She's worked on television series, live action films. I mean, she has her own studio albums yeah. too. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, 1998, uh, there's a. Uh, an album called Songs, Song to Fly, and it's eight <laughs> tracks uh, performed, composed, and conducted by Yoko. Yes. So. so there you go. So she is still rocking and rolling to this day, even though she's not really doing video game music as much. Oh, she did, uh, so this wasn't in, uh, in in the original list I saw, but apparently she was she did music composition on just the new one. Yeah, Ragnarok Online Two, which mm-hmm. is uh, is a pretty nifty game. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Neat. It looks like we're getting a call oh. to our XVGM radio hotline, so let's go ahead and take that call. Let's hit it. Uh, XVGM radio, who is this and what can we do for you? Hey, uh, this is Barb Honkins. Uh, dude, I, I just want to hear Pazuzu's love ballad. Could you play that for me, bro? Um, sorry. What, what game is that from? Uh, it's, it's from a game. Uh, dude, I totally forgot. Dude, is it okay? Dude, like, is it is it chill if I chill here? Um, on our line, no. We need to keep these lines clear. But uh, I'll tell you what. I I don't have Pazuzu's love ballad, but Pazuzu is a character in Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei 2, so we'll play a song from that. All right. Rock on. Cool. So this is from Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei 2 came out on the Famicom in 1990. This is called Daedalus, and this is by Tsukasa Masuko, who was uncredited.
Welcome back to XVGM Radio, and that was Barf Honkins' pick. <laughs> Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei 2 that came out in the Famicom in 1990. That track was Dai Dallas, and that was composed uncredited by Tsukasa Masuko. What do you think of this track? It was it was pretty cool. It, it kind of made me think of like a like battle music. Yeah, uh, like a Power Rangers type track. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good way to put Japanese it. Very Japanese action music. Yeah, definitely. Very heavy metal oriented. <laughs> yeah, the the thing the thing that grabbed me most about this one was actually the the bass. Yeah, that do 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 do. And it was because it, it it's a very very rough sound to be used. Like it, gritty. It did, yeah, gritty. I wrote crunchy because it was really well used as like the drive force behind everything but mm. it was just really cool if, if I if I focused on it to listen to the sounds that were being made it was almost like like a mix between like what you'd hear for like a white noise snare but with mm. like an actual tone to it okay um, the, the best I could put it is like, I don't even know if I can replicate the sound but like a okay okay instead of like a like a buh. right right yeah I mean it definitely had a little bit of fuzz to it very like yeah. kind of not quite FM synthish. Yeah, it definitely sounded like something that could have been on the Turbo Graphics. It has that Turbo Graphics kind yeah, of fuzz yeah. to it. But that and that, that but that's what I liked about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I thought it. I thought it was like it, it worked really well with the rest of everything. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I really dig that bass, as you said. It, it's got like a gritty, tough sound to it. When the track kind of evolves a little oh, like bit. When it has a little key change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> so I was really feeling this track. Yeah, I, th- I actually thought it was getting a little bit repetitive, and then it, it did was. that change. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when it did the key change, I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> now I can play this track. <laughs> <laughs> This game is a small part of the Shin Megami Tensei, or the Megami Tensei series, which has spawned games all the way from 1987 with the original Devil, Digital Devil Monogatari Megami Tensei game, mm. which came out on like the FM7, the MSX, the PC-88, and the Sharp X1. Not X68000, oh, wow. the X1. So that was in 87. There's games still to this day in this series. Uh, the latest game was Persona 5, Dancing in Starlight. I was just going to say, isn't this the series that, that Persona came out of? Yep. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm familiar with the, with the games, but I've not played any of them. I have a couple of friends who are really, really big into the Persona series. Uh, and it, it sounds really interesting and really wacky. It does. And I've always wanted to check some of these games out, but... Because of the long, tenured history, it's like trying to jump into a comic book series when you don't want to go back and try to find all the fan translations for the uh, Famicom games. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, where do I jump in? And I guess the safe bet would be somewhere in Persona. Yeah, uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, I've, I've heard either Persona 4 or Persona 5, you don't really need all the backstory. You, yeah. you can jump in and, and mm-hmm. just play and it. it's a good standalone game. First time I ever heard any of the Megami Tensei music was Shin Megami Tensei 2, yeah. which came out on the PS2. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because I was working in a game store at the time, 
and uh, we got a sampler CD in, and so I popped it into our. We had like uh, this Xbox that was just basically oh, our yeah. system that we would have, you know, is to demo games and stuff, and we had it hooked up to the stereo system. So you know, I popped that in, and I was listening to, it, and I was like, this is really good stuff. So yeah. music's always been pretty good in this series. So. That's fair. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. So this game is um, interesting. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic sort of game. Atomic explosions have destroyed most of the Earth, and demons have risen from the holes that were left, I guess you could say. Oh, yes, that Pazuzu that, that uh, Barf mentioned. Yes. <laughs> you play as a group of people trying to stop these demons called the Devil Busters. <laughs> And uh, that's the whole point of the game. So it's a. Did they bust devils with like big machine they're gun not like ghost, packs on their back? They're not like Ghostbusters, are they, if that's what you're referring to. Are they electron cannons? No. <laughs> Proton. Right. Eh, boo. No. <laughs> um, well, good. I'm glad it's not a ripoff. What's really funny, though, is that, yeah, you can fight enemies, but you could also talk them out of fighting you, apparently. Really? Which is really silly. I mean, like, please, demon, stop. You don't know what you're doing. May I offer you a gift card of some sort? Like, I mean, I, I, for for a video game, I think that's actually really clever and really cool. I mean, it, it, if you're playing like a tabletop RPG, like sure. D&D and stuff like that, you don't have to fight. I mean, there's some things where it, certain characters are just, they're going to fight mm. no matter what. But there's a lot of situations where you can talk your way out of certain fights. You don't see that a whole lot in, um, in video games because things are usually pre-programmed. So that's actually really cool to hear. If you were a demon and you were offered a gift card instead of fighting for $20, I don't know what the yen conversion would be. Like 20,000 yen? Yeah, something like that. 2,000 yen or something like that. What would be the store that you would pick as a demon? For one, as a demon, uh, twenty bucks would not be enough to, uh, to to buy me off. So no, really, um, I'd probably kill them and take the card. Anyway. Really, really. A, to quote Dogma, I'm a <laughs> demon. Um, <clears throat> but no. So if if there if there were a, a gift card, he amount, said clucking. Yes. For the record, he said clucking. We just like to bleep things. Yeah. But I mean, if if there were a gift card denomination, that would make me say, okay, I won't fight you. The, was the question, what, what, couldn't what you just buy? kill them? And yeah, like what store would you get no. a gift card to? Not what would you buy? I don't I really... mean. Amazon, probably. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it had to be a brick and mortar store, sure. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, because yeah. we all know the demons shop in the Beyond portion. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the composer who was uncredited on this one, we talked a little bit about earlier. That was Sukasa Masuko. Started with Tekken World Cup in '85. I mean, we already went over all this. I'll pick a couple different random games. Twin Cobra, labeled as the musician. Time Zone in 1991 was also uncredited on that. And one more, the Caligula effect in 2016. I'm, I'm just going to break in here and, and do do one extra one because I think this is hilarious. Okay. S- uncredited sound driver on Wacky Races. Wacky Races. I, I think that's that, not Looney Tunes. No, but the Hanna-Barbera. Hanna-Barbera, yeah. yes, yes. you got a Snidely Whiplash. Snidely Whiplash. giggling dog. That's really funny. I love that. Let's move into our next pick. What do you got for us, Justin? Um, next up, I have something that's going to be very hard to pronounce. <laughs> so, let me loosen up my mouth. Hydlide. Yeah. Hydlide 3, Yami Kara no Homoncha. And uh, others may, may just know this simply as Super Hydlide. <laughs> that game came out in, on the Famicom in 1989. The track we're going to play is Gazak. What's the name of the track? Gay Zach. Well, I'm sorry, what was it? Zach is not gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know I picked it because of the name. Absolutely. And it was composed by a combination of Shigeru Tomita, who did the original music, and Hiroshi Sakaguchi, who did the arrangement. to XVGM Radio. That was Gezak off of Hydlide 3, Yami Kara no Homuncha, and that was a Famicom release in 1989. The composers were Shigeru Tomita for the original music and Hiroshi Sakaguchi for the arrangement. Aside from the name, what'd you think of that track? I'll tell you what I think of that track. Do-do. Yeah. Do-do-do. Those very soft Kind of toms, muffly kind of. toms. Tom squads? Yeah. yeah, those are toms. Do do. Very high. Ki- kind of high um, noted toms. I mean, clearly they are, but they kind of sound like synth toms, like like, yeah. like you get on um like like one of those electronic drum machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which uh, which I think is really cool because I used to play with a Casio keyboard when I was a kid and it had those sounds. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that that I actually noted from this track that 
I don't know that it's good or bad. Uh, I just know that it sounded interesting to me. Is okay. in this track we kind of get to hear the, what we were talking about earlier, where all all of these channels can't be played simultaneously. Right. Because you have a number of times where, particularly with the toms, mm. you'll hear them go off and then they'll cut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that another channel can come in. Yeah. Uh, no, it's pretty clear here. Yeah, and, mm. and I, I just thought that was really interesting. Like I said, I, I don't know that it's good or bad because it didn't turn me off from the track mm. at all. Uh, it was just something that I noticed, and I mean, I'm guessing they did it intentionally, not, you know, rushing it out and like, oh no, we didn't realize. Right. But, no, yeah, no. I think that's just part of the way that the sound is created on the Famicom with the additional sound chips. Yeah, yeah. I think it almost like when you've got these like almost sampled kind of style sounds, they need that pause in between mm -hmm. just to kind of load, I guess you could say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the, the track was entertaining. It was enjoyable. I, I dug it. I just, ugh, Highlight is such a bad game. Is it really? Ugh. Have you ever seen the Anger Video Game Nerds review on the first one? No. <laughs> Where he just makes fun of the name? I'd like, oh, lied. Oh, is that why you were yeah, making that noise? Yeah, earlier? yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I have not seen the one on Hydlide. It's just like really bad Dragon Quest. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the best way to explain my it. my understanding for this game is that it is a like it's an action based RPG. The story follows up from a while after the the second game, many many years after the events of Hydlide Two. Mm -hmm. There was basically an explosion of flames near the city of woods, uh, and then enemies were everywhere, and a young man has chosen to find the source of evil. The, uh, the story description on Wikipedia in particular is very, very lacking. <laughs> but the gameplay of this game actually sounds really interesting, so I'm, uh, that's why I was surprised to hear that it's not a good game or a good series. It's... I haven't played it. I've seen the first game's mm -hmm. review, and I've seen Super Highlight, not Super Highlight, Virtual Highlight. Oh. This is actually Super Highlight. Right. That's its alternate name. Yep. And it was, so you mentioned earlier that uh, that it was a port. It, it first came out on the MSX in 1987, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, then the MSX2, PC-88, and then the, the Famicom in 1989. And then the Genesis. Genesis, and then finally the X6800 right, in right. Yeah, it makes sense, because the original tracks uh, were most likely the the ones that Shigeru right. Tomita worked on, and then uh, clearly Hiroshi Sekiguchi arranged these for the uh, Famicom. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing that interests me the most about this game is it incorporates a morality system a, a lot like what we think of with games like Mass Effect or... <laughs> I was uh, going to say the Star Wars Force Unleashed. Oh, yeah, Where yeah. you could be a good guy or a bad, bad guy. guy yeah. But yeah, we think about this morality system uh, as, as sort of a newer thing because as games can get bigger, the people, uh, you know, developers are adding all this other stuff. But this game had basically like a, a simplified D&D &D morality system mm. where um, you can be aligned with either justice, normal, or evil, which... That makes sense. There's cool. also good and evil monsters in the game. So if you if you kill good monsters, you uh, you you lose points in a stat called moral fiber, which you know puts you more towards evil and stuff. How do you know if they're good? Do they wear a hat? Maybe they have a sign that says "Don't kill me." I Who think, knows? I think the good ones are wearing fedoras, and the bad <laughs> ones died a little inside. And the bad ones are wearing like berets. Yes, <laughs> that's Fair it. Enough. What are the neutral ones wearing? baseball caps. Uh, I, th I think there's only good and bad monsters. The only thing to be neutral is our humans because we're garbage. All the humans are wearing baseball caps. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but as you have um, like a more evil score, you'll run into like more traps around the world. And as you, if you have a, a, a more justice related score, you'll have, you'll run into just like 
rewards. Mm. So cool. It's, it, I think that's pretty interesting. That I, is pretty I'd be, neat. Be interested to know about this game in particular. The, the, I understand the the early ones might might have been garbage, but yeah. I've, oh, I've seen a number of articles about this game talking about the nostalgia for it and people talking about it in a positive light. So okay. I assume maybe, so maybe they got this it right is one of the good ones. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, those composers, so Shigeru Tomita, like I said, did the original music for uh, for, for Super Highlight. They started out in 1985 on Laydoc doing music, uh, and then they did music arrangements on Highlight 2 and uh, Deva Story 6. They came back to Laydoc for Super Laydoc Mission Striker in 1987 to do music. They did music composition as well in 1989 on Harukanaru Augusta. And their final entry is New 3D Golf Simulation, Eight Lakes GC in 1990. And then Hiroshi Sakaguchi just has this one music arrangement audio credit for Super Highline. Huh. All right, then. I didn't expect that. So let's move on to a very fun, silly, happy game. This is Mappy Kids. This came out on the Famicom in 1989. This track is called Stage 3 Theme, and it's by Atsuko Iwanaga.
Hey there, my name's Bob Meowkies. I'm a husband, a father, a cat, meow. But most importantly, I'm an exterminator. Do you have a mouse problem in your mansion? Trying to get rid of those pesky mice? who also somehow happens to be a policeman, stand up for your rights and hire Meowkey's Murder Squad. We're a, family we're a family-owned team since 1983 who are de de dedicated to eradicating your rodent problem in the most delicious of ways. Hiring us is the way to go, so give us a call. 8 at 81900 at what? at 1-900-163-1983 or send us an email at meowkeysms at geocities.gov Help us help you Hey, hey, welcome back. That was Mappy Kids, the Famicom game that came out in 1989. The track was Stage 3 Theme, and it was by Atsuko Iwanaga. So that was a fun little bouncy track. Yeah, yeah. Very it was, dancy. It, it, I was going to say, it was very. I, I was about to say all over the place, and I don't mean that. And like, the track was all over the place. I sure. mean, the, the bouncing like was bouncing all over the room. <laughs> But no, it was it was super super cute. Uh, I liked the, the it had a little bit of, of call and response in yeah. it, just with, with with like the, you'd hear with a the melody, dun, dun, and then you'd, dun. yeah, and then yeah, you'd yeah. Hear on, on, the, on the other side, which is really cool. Yeah, and then it also had a little bit of Super Mario Brothers three in it. Okay, I guess I could kind of see that. The um, the the usually they're the auto auto scroll levels in the first world. There's um there there there's a couple of there's a little bit of a progression in that that reminds me of of that track. Mm -hmm. uh, we got we got a lot of Mario <laughs> Mario in today's episode. This is a really fun game. It's highly highly recommended. Is it anything like the other like the Mappy games? I mean, I, Mappy Kids. Um, so I assume, but yes and no. Ooh. I guess I could say so. This is a sequel to Mappy, which is a very by the books basic action kind of puzzle game. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like Pac-Man yeah, a little it, bit. It, uh, you play as a mouse a, named Mappy, yeah, and he's a cop. Yep, yep. And the, so, He's trying to go around stopping the cats. Or the cats yeah, are trying to go around stopping, stopping him. him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of elevator action to an yeah. extent. Yeah. So this is totally different in okay. the sense that it's an action platform game. This one has a very interesting story. <laughs> so Mappy has a son named Happy. So Happy grows up, ends up meeting a lady love, and the lady love and Happy are gonna settle down, get married, but she won't marry him until he can provide for a potential family. Gotta get a job, you bum. No, worse than that, she sends him out to find money. Just like, <laughs> go out and get me some money. Ooh, I ain't saying she's a gold digger. I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but I don't know. She ain't messing with no broke Mises. Mises. <laughs> broke Mises. So there's this boss cat named, named I swear to you, Niamco. <laughs> Niamco. N-Y-A-M-C-O. And uh, wow. the the cats in this are called Mukies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meow, meow, uh, I think Mukies is what they call them in Japanese. Right. I think we got Meowkies. Meowkies, right? So uh, you've got to stop the Mukies. 
<laughs> throughout the game. But yeah, it's a side-scrolling action platformer. A lot of fun. Really good. My buddy Jimmy Hoppa did an incredible review on it back in the day. It was what prompted me to find his YouTube channel. Go check it out if you want. Literally, I'm pretty sure if you type in Mappy Kids <laughs> Review on YouTube, you'll find it. So it's an import gaming for the win. So... Yeah, that's kind of what turned me on to this game. And when I found out that this game had an extra sound channel, rather an extra sound chip, I was gung-ho about it. I was all about it, about it. Nice. Yeah. So, fun little game. It sounds really cute. Yeah. No, it's it's super cute. Other than the fact that <laughs> you're, you're trying to win money for your gold-digging potential wife. So, I don't know. I think Happy could do better. So, the composer on this one, Atsuko Iwanaga has worked on a few titles. Started off with Hanny in the Sky in 1989. And then the year after did Fushigi no Yume no Alice, which is an Alice in Wonderland Oh, game. I have heard of that game, actually. Oh, really? It is really, really weird from what it's I remember. It's a turbo graphics game. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't played it, but I, I remember hearing about it. Yeah. And uh, then later on, Nostrom Nostradamus in 93... Uh, did a Yu Yu Hakusho 2 game, and then a game called Gururin, and that was an arcade game, which got ported everywhere, and Dynamite Heady, and Sonic Labyrinth, and that Ooh. was his final game in 1995. Neat. Yeah. So next up, we're going to revisit something that we spoke about earlier, Sangokushi 2, Hao no Tariku, uh, and that is uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2. Don't know what that last bit translates to. <laughs> uh, that game came out on the Famicom in 1992. The track we're going to hear is Ending, and it was composed by Shinji Amagishi.
Welcome back. That was ending from Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2 from the Famicom 1992 release, composed by Shinji Amagishi, credited as Banjiro Amanishi. I like this track a lot more than the first one. I would agree. The, this one, there was a lot more going on. I thought it was a lot more interesting. Mm. Um, like, it sounded a lot more full and rich. Yeah, yeah. No, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, makes sense, too. It, it was the second one. They probably saw what they did with the first one. We're like, hey, we can do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad they did, because this one, just the drums sounded really nice. They had an 8-bit quality to them that I mm. that I like. They, I mean, they were snappy kind of light. Yeah, right? they were, yeah, they were really snappy. They were a little light in the drums. Like, there wasn't anything crazy going on, but they... I found them to be kind of soothing almost. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. But no, the, I get the, you. The, the melody I liked a lot as well. There was a bit of bend. It wasn't as like front and center as the, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms one track, mm-hmm. but it was kind of subtle and it was just there enough to, to say like, hey, this was written in Asia by Asian people. Right, <laughs> so right, this right. Is a, this is a very Asian music yeah. track. I, I like the reverse call and answer kind of vibe mm. to it. Where you got the and then like there's a part right after that that kind of answers that that's much louder, much more vibrant. That it's it's pretty cool. One thing I just want to mention to our listeners, we always try to get the highest quality mm-hmm. audio that we can. In this circumstance, we were only able to find this track on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I checked every single source that I normally <laughs> use to farm music from i even ripped the nsf file (laughs) from the game and for whatever reason it would not play on any of the programs that i was using yeah so no clue so we did find it on youtube so you may have heard a little bit of a reverb slash echo on this track i apologize not much i could do about it but i didn't feel that it was that noticeable here yeah i mean it was also mostly my fault for um refusing to change my (laughs) (laughs) pen. it is all your fault justin To talk about this game. Yes. We mentioned earlier Romance of the Three Kingdoms. This is, I don't want to say exactly the same game because what's the sure. point of doing that? But it's a sequel. Same, yeah, it's a sequel. It's very much in the same style. I think there was more to this game than there was to the other one. Uh, this game specifically provided six different scenarios that you could play through. Mm. Um, you could play through as uh, Dong Zhao uh, as he sees his control of Lu Yang, circa 80, 189. Play through Warlord's struggle for power in 199. Liu Bei seeking shelter in Jing province. Cao Cao coveting supremacy over China. Cao Cao? C-A-O-C-A-O. I'm assuming it's Cao Cao. Cao Cao. All right. Uh, Not (laughs) C-O-W-C-O-W. The empire dividing into three around 215 AD. Mm. And the last uh, scenario is the rise of Wei, Wu, and Shu circa AD 220. Don't forget about Jim Lo Wang. He makes a mean hot pocket. Ah, yes. (laughs) Hot Pockets invented circa 2.30 p.m. Yes. (laughs) Big Apple. Big Apple, 3 a.m. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Same same controls, same type of game, same same time period and everything else. So not a whole lot to say about this. Yeah. Uh, There there were some new things that were in the game. Like they they introduced like a reputation system. They added new items and treasures. Mm. But overall, Remnants of the Third Kingdoms, if you're into those games, you already know what I'm talking about. So why am I doing it? A lot of knife fights and uh, red leather jackets. Yep, yep. A lot of snapping and singing. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the composer on this one. Yeah. Shinji Amagishi. 
started out way, way back with a game I like to call Toxic Crusaders in 1992. Wow. All right, then. Yeah, that was the uh, the NES Bandai published game. Mm-hmm. And then they have a, a very large audio resume here, a lot of sound effects. Mm. But as far as composing goes, we have Toxic Crusaders, we have Romans of the Three Kingdoms 2. That's kind of it. <laughs> as far okay, as music, then. As, uh, yeah, as, as far as music composition goes, uh, the, re- the rest of these are all sound, sound effects, sound design. They did sound composition on another Yu Yu Hakusho game, not related to the one that you were talking about earlier. Mm. Uh, a couple of Dragon Ball Z games in 1994. Uh, Mega Man Legends in 97, they did mm. sound effects. I mean, that, that's a game that I am part and partial to. Uh, Mega Man Battle Network 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Bada bing, uh, bada boom. Yeah, oh, sound, sound effects on all of those. Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, I enjoyed that one uh, hmm. back in 2004. They did sound effects on. Uh, and finally, the last game on their, this list is Resident Evil in 2015. They were a sound designer. Cool. So Awesome. Uh, so uh, Janine's telling me we got another call coming in. So sounds good. Yeah. yeah, let's take that call. Caller, you are on the air with XVGM Radio. Who am I speaking to? The golden albatross has taken the slice of Mabu pizza. Uh, what? My, my, my mistake. The white albatross has stolen the Mabu fruit. Okay, so did you have a song request or? Not today, it's not. Okay, wrong number. Hmm. That was weird. Yeah. What was all that talk about pizza? Pizza, fruit, uh... No clue. Sounds like he was talking in code. Yeah. But Albatross kind of reminds me of Rolling Thunder. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a secret agent guy? Yes, secret agent guy. Let's just go ahead and play a track from Rolling Thunder. That was Famicom, released in 1989. This is the Stage 1 theme by Junko Ozawa and Minoru Kiduka, who did the sound driver. Thank you. 
XVGM Radio has returned, and so have you. And this was the Rolling Thunder Stage 1 theme on the Famicom, which came out in 1989, and the track was by Junko Ozawa, and the sound driver was by Minoru Kiduka. Now, this is, I believe, the only game that came out in the U.S. on this list. It was the only one that, that, that got ported technically ported to the NES. Right, yes. And it was ported to the NES by Tengen. Hmm, Yeah, this is one of those Tengen weird black cart releases. Oh. Yeah. So... That's why it was unlicensed, because Nintendo was like, no, this is a... It's had a special chip in it. Right. Can't bring it over. Well, I mean, you know, I don't think that's the reason why they did it, but, you know, there's got to be other reasons. That's the story in my head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we'll go with. So... We're going to actually play a little bit of that NES track that we just listened to. So this is the NES version. Again, Rolling Thunder, NES. Here's stage one theme, a little bit of that. So there you have it. So that's a little bit of a preview of Rolling Thunder on the NES. Definitely you can tell a huge difference between oh, yeah. the two. There's <laughs> The NES version sounds kind of empty comparatively. It sounds very tinny, very empty mm-hmm. as compared to the other version, which is it's got that that really cool like jingly jangly piano in the background, the one that's like kind of going crazy, like dim you know? Like a toy piano or a honky tonk piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree that the Famicom version definitely has uh, much more vibrant, unique sound to oh, it, yeah. uh, thanks to that extra sound chip. Yeah, I like the opening. It has a very sort of like James Bond to it. And oh, it, definitely. And it, it works in, on both the, the Famicom and the NES version. Sure. But, I mean, obviously the, the Famicom, just there, there's so much more to the song because of, obviously, that, that sound chip. Sure, sure. I, I really enjoy Rolling Thunder. The whole series is really great. Really? It's, uh, yeah, if, if you never played it at all or... No. No? So it's an action game where you are playing as a secret agent who I believe is trying to rescue his female partner. Yeah. Oh, it was an arcade game. Yeah, this used to originally be an arcade game that was uh, brought overseas by Atari, actually. Really? Yeah, Uh, but it is a Namco-developed series overall so the home version that came out on the famicom in japan was brought over by tengen who released their nes version without nintendo's approval of course most people know the story on that one (laughs) the famicom and nes versions have a few other different slight differences from the arcade they have a password feature they have some additional hidden bonuses there's also a second mission kind of like a second quest 
that's accessible by putting in a, a specific password once you beat the game. But the Famicom version, of course, most famously uses those extra sound channels with the uh, name Namco yeah. 163 chip. So gameplay-wise, this is uh, kind of a mix between like a stiff arcade action platformer game and a very like rigid it's like very stiff, kind of rigid, but also kind of feels very much like you're in control. Hmm. So um, when you're moving, there's these doors that you can enter into. So you hit up and you can go in the door. Okay. And the door, when you go into it, will either produce bullets or enemies could pop out, if I recall. There's a bunch of different stuff that can happen. But it's one of those games, kind of like Contra, where it's like one hit and you're dead uh, sort okay. of thing. So it gets to be a really tough game. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a really fun game. I, I've always enjoyed Rolling Thunder. It kind of reminds me of a game that was an arcade game that I believe Konami put out called Iron Horse. It's kind of like a more updated version of that, I guess you could say. Hmm. Iron Horse is also a little bit more free-range as far as movement goes, but that's like an old west, right, like right. a wild west kind of game. <laughs> the point of the game is you are actually taking control of a character named Albatross. That's the secret agent's name. Right. And he's part of this group called the World Crime Police Organization. WCPO. That's right. And you're hunting down your missing female partner. Her name is Layla Blitz. And she was kidnapped by a society called Geldra that's hidden in New York. So you are going to New York to stop them. So it's a fun game. Definitely recommended. Um, I've been trying to track down a Famicom cart of this for a while. Maybe I'll just bite the bullet and buy it on eBay. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe we'll find it at too many games. Oh, hey, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we'll have found it at too many games. Yeah. It's coming out after we get That back. is true. I just realized. Yeah. So the composers on this one, there's one composer and one person for the sound driver. So the composer, Junko Ozawa, she started off with a game called The Tower of Juraga, which is a Namco game. Also did games like Sky Kid, The Return of Ishtar, and Pac-Mania in 1987. Jumping forward, did Klonoa Door to Phantom Isle in 1997. Games like Mr. Driller Drill In in 2002. Donkey Konga in 2003 was one of the voiceover actors in Katamari Damacy. Did some sound effects for what looks to be like a Namco collection. Pac-Man, New Rally X, Galaga, Dig Dug, Xebius, etc. Yep, yep. Final game was the remake of Klonoa, which came out on the Wii in 2008. She was the sound supervisor on that one. Regarding the sound driver, Minoru Kiduka worked on that and mostly has stuck with an executive producer role on most games. The only audio credits that they are credited for is Rolling Thunder in 88 where they were the music programmer or sound driver and Kyoru Sentai Zio Ranger which is the Power Rangers Famicom game. Hmm. Yeah and that was actually published by Angel but developed by Arc System Works and they were they did the sound driver on that one. Very cool. Yeah, so let's move into your next pick. What do you got? So, my final pick of this episode is from a game called Final Lap. Uh, this came out in the Famicom in 1987. The track is called Final Results Tournament Mode, and it was composed by Mr. or Mrs. Unknown. We cannot wow, wow. find credits for the arcade or the Famicom version. Ooh.
Welcome back. That was final results from tournament mode from the 1987 Famicom game Final Lap. The composer on this was unknown as we could not find any credits for the arcade of the Famicom version. Wah, wah. So the nature of most like racing game music, mm-hmm. uh, you you don't you don't have a, a big focus on like crazy bombastic wacky stuff in the music here because you're, you're you're driving a car and sure most of the music can be drowned out by the sound of <laughs> as you're going around corners and stuff. As that go again, <laughs> Justin as a race car. <laughs> but yeah, no, I there, there there's also not a ton of tracks to this game it just at all. I think mm. there's only seven tracks to the to the game in its entirety. So usually most racing games don't have a lot of music except for like. Yeah, you know stuff that does. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, mo- modern racing games, uh, they, they yeah. use licensed music because you can listen to whatever you want while you drive. Yeah, but yeah. So on, on this one, like like you said, the the primary differences that you're going to hear are in the Famicom in that opening. Da 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 da. It slides. Yeah. Not a whole lot to say about this game. It is a Formula One style racing game. You've Very got, similar to the other one that it, we talked about. Exactly. Mm. You've got the the. There's a, a a bar at the top of the screen that you've got your left and right mirrors and then in the center you have the, um, the the map of the track and then the rest of the screen below that is just you looking at your car going around turns and driving sure I, I'm not sure there's a, a ton to say here not uh, much the final lap series genre uh, so it, you know it, it, it's based on the Formula 1 championship but it doesn't appear to have any sequels and whatnot. Um, so the, the the game itself is considered a direct successor to Pole Position 1 and 2. Ah. But it is not, uh, it doesn't appear to have gone on to do Final Lap 1 or 2. I guess they saw, they put Final in name, were like, nope, that's it, we're done. <laughs> they did final. not, they did not take the Square Final Phoenix. Fantasy, yeah, <laughs> road. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Uh, I guess the one thing to say about this game is there was a, a bit of controversy in 1990 as Philip Morris, better known as a cigarette manufacturer, uh, filed a lawsuit claiming copyright infringement against Namco. Really? Yeah. On account of their Super Monaco GP game, because both games feature... Uh, well, uh, on this and Super Monaco GP, I guess, both featured a Marlboro billboard, which could only be found on the real-life Suzuka circuit at, and Monaco track. Which, okay. Uh, I guess the, these tracks were not meant to be realistic so they're mad about free advertising i guess (laughs) i I don't i don't fully understand it i don't know philip morris was under investigation at the time for its role in preteen smoking oh they were concerned that that because they because they did because it's in a video game yep yeah and and they they didn't they they didn't want to be caught up and like we didn't pay for our advertisement in this video game so don't sue us over it yeah yeah that makes sense Uh, and i was wrong there was a uh, Final Lap 2 in 1990, uh, and then there was a racing RPG Final Lap Twin <laughs> oh. for the TurboGrafx in okay, 1989. So. so since we have no information about the composer on that one, we'll move on to our final track of the day, which is from a game called King of Kings. Now I know what you're thinking. There is a NES game called The King of Kings. Oh yeah. That is a Wisdom Tree game, totally unrelated to this. I'm going to guess it's about Jesus. Yes, it is. You would be <laughs> correct. This game, King of Kings, came out in the Famicom in 1988. This track is called Strategy Phase, and this is another 8-channel track by Hirohiko Takayama. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us on that final track from our Namco 163 extravaganza. That was <laughs> King of Kings on the Famicom. Came out in 1988, and the song we just listened to was an eight-channel track with the name Strategy Phase, and that was again by Hirohiko Takayama. You really hear that electro yes. vibe coming back and that early hip hop yep. kind yep. of style that I was actually gonna mention that that bass is there again. Yeah. Like kind of crunchy bass. I still don't know how to describe it. Frizzled. Frizzled, yeah. Frizzled frazzled. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I was really digging the, the overall sound on this one. Yeah. I really like the octaves that they had going on. You know, mm. da, 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 and yeah. And they were just you know, keeping it real. The octaves, yeah. Keeping it real. It was super funky. I just, I think this is probably one of my favorites of the night. I gotta, I gotta do some deep thinking before we pick later. <laughs> <laughs> I really dig when the track kind of shifts into that more spacey kind of haunting do 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 that really brought me back to one of the other games that he composed for Friday the 13th oh, it sounds yeah, like yeah, the yeah. music when you go in the house yep that little That's piano fair, yeah, kind of haunting yeah 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 so I was I was really thinking that was pretty cool I, I really liked how that broke the track up actually because I yeah. was I was kind of getting into the groove of the and then it was getting a little just as it was starting to get repetitive again this happened with one of the earlier tracks mm-hmm. it's just starting to get repetitive and then it changed and Boom. it was like whoa okay yeah, yeah this yeah. is cool and then it went right back to it and <laughs> it was a, it was a really nice break yeah no I agree so this is a turn-based strategy game, Ooh. and it was only released in Japan, of course. Interestingly enough, the characters that were created for this game ended up becoming inspiration for characters in Megami Tensei. No, oh, huh. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, so this is one of two games that used the full eight sound channels. The er- the other one was the Erika To Saturo mm-hmm. uh, No Yume Bokim game that we talked about during the intro. So kind of started with that and then ended with the full power of the Nam- Namco 163 <laughs> sound chip. So this game you can play as 22 different characters or, or categories. People, fairies, dragons, all sorts of stuff like that. And it's a strategy game. I mean, I have not played this one, unfortunately, so I can't really say too much about it. But I guess each unit can only move when it's like a range that the game allows. So it's like one of those types of games. It's sort of like, uh, like Advance Wars. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Or like Project X Zone. Or, yep. you know, one yep. of those types of games where you have limited movement within a specific range. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. And the composer... We already talked about Hirohiko Takayama. I'll point out a few other games that they worked on. Panic Restaurant in 92, a very rare and expensive oh, yes, game yes. that we talked about, I think, on the very first episode. Yeah, I was going to say. Of XVGM. It was way, way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lemmings, they were the composer on that in 1992. Probably the Super Nintendo version. The final game, Ishi Hisaichi no Daisekai. So, again, mm-hmm. that's uh, their final game. And that was also a strategy board game type game. So, cool. So, favorite picks of the night. Justin? All right. Let's, so, let's hear it. I did some deep thinking, like I said. Yeah, some inner thoughts. Some inner thoughts. Uh, my top pick of the night is actually going to be the track we just heard. King really? Kings. Okay. Uh, uh, it was really funky. It was really groovy. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to follow that up with the Digital Devil Story and Megami Tensei 2 track. Okay. Okay. I really like 
the wag wagon land three track okay. yeah yeah uh, i really dig that like wonky weird <laughs> sound that it kind of hits upon and it also has that like early hip-hop electro vibe yeah and i love that it's just so fun and fresh other than that i was gonna say mappy kids is really good and that Senko Gushi 2 track, I really dug. So, yeah. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, definitely. What did you think about our tracks? Let us know. In the comments. Yeah. So, we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Scott McElhone, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Jordan and Anson Davis. Chris Myers, Peter Panda, The Autistic Gamer 89, and John Mixmaster Jekyll. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like what you've heard, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes and a review. You can also join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgmradio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle for both of those sites is at XVGM Radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. So the next episode is episode 29. We are almost at episode 30. And episode 29 is going to be a Patreon pick. Yes, the entire episode. The entire episode. The so theme, rather. The theme, specifically, yeah. <laughs> One of our Patreon rewards is to pick a theme for an episode, and we've been going back and forth with the patron that chose it, who is Alex Messenger, and he has picked Mario RPG music. So not necessarily just Super Mario RPG. We're going to be talking about Super Mario RPG and the entire Paper Mario series. So that means that we are going to be playing a bunch of songs from the Paper Mario saga and, of course, the Super Mario RPG. So this will be a real treat because I really haven't dived into much music in this other than Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. So, I don't know. should be fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. This is Mike. And Justin. Signing off for XVGM Radio. <laughs> it is all your fault, Justin. Yeah. All your fault. I blame Zelda. <laughs> the cat? Yeah. Or the game? Or Both. the woman? All, the all three. Zelda Williams is to blame. No. Oh, her too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was saying Zelda like the, the princess. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Not, not my cat. Your cat. <laughs> so let's go down the list. My cat. The princess from the game, Zelda Williams. And the NES cartridges. Right, right. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Gazak from... <laughs> Hi- <laughs>
sorry. It's all right. <laughs> we need to get at least one take. Oh, I swear giggling. I'm 36 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 